Well, it's very nice to have you, Valentina. Uh, I wanted to, to get you on. This is the Alchemy of Remembrance, and it's very interesting to be on a podcast in the evening uh, for the first time, and also for me not to plan anything. Because I've been... Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a control freak sometimes. I like to, to schedule things, and so I decided this time, since we're having you on this, on this podcast, I really wanted to just open up, see what this evening has to bring us, see what this time has to bring us. Um, and I also really want to hear your story. How is it that you started everything? You, you're, you're also known as Mrs. Love. And I would, like to, I, I would like to know the story, the love story of how Mrs. Love came to be. Because here, oh, sorry. <laughs> because here at the Alchemy of Remembrance, it's really bringing everyone's unique stories and bringing it to this one place where we can alchemicalize the information, the understanding, the keys to, to life itself, what, what it brings to different people and how that can help us as the individual or the person learning how to remember who they truly are. By walking their own journey and through the stories we find bits of pieces of information that resonate and touch us deeply to actually also start to walk our own path yeah i mean i just feel like i want to say i i try to uh, avoid stories as much as possible in my personal evolution i mean i I tend to try not to tell myself too much of a story about myself. And um, as a teacher also, I generally try not to speak too much about my journey, my journey of awakening in particularly, not to create a, a, a standardized story um, that then maybe the student feel they need to match because we tend to compare each other so, but I'll tell you the story about Mrs. Love because uh, that, that's just a, a detail <laughs> of my whole journey. Yes. Uh, but generally, I avoid telling too much of my personal story, not to remind myself too much um, of my narrative. Because, of course, we all have a narrative. Mm -hmm. But I've learned that sometimes now I'm turning 50 this year and I get really excited when I try to remember the past and I can't and there is a part in me they say great let it go forget about it mm. just it's, it's now life is from now on doesn't matter anything even if it's the picture of my daughter that I don't know where I've put them it's like who care your daughter is alive I don't have to remember to really actually I'm practicing really letting go of the personal narrative so that we can recreate ourselves new Mm. Um, in every moment. This is a very difficult practice, actually. Mm. So, but I'll tell you the story of how Mrs. Love came about, which is also episode number one of my podcast, because ah, everybody always asks me. Mm -hmm. So, when I came to South Africa about 22 years ago, and I decided to stay, then I um, got married with a man called, with the surname called Leo. 
And one day I went to the bank to open my bank account and um, uh, she put my surname in the initial, which was Leo V. And in that moment, when I look at it, I, I realized that was an anagram for love, uh -huh. that my name, Leo V, was an anagram for love. And I never realized until that moment, I've always loved this name, Leo. Uh -huh. And so when I came home, I started drilling all my friends' brain. I was bragging about it all the time. Oh my God, did you realize? That my surname and my name is love and it's love and it's so excited my name is love and one day one of my girlfriends told me oh that's enough mrs love quit it drop it we had enough about your story you know okay. and so when she called me mrs love in that moment it stuck on me so it became the joke oh yes mrs love come drop the story i mean it wasn't offense it was all in a very lovingly way and so that my friends start calling me mrs love so that's how how it really started right. and then when i started to teach um, uh, tantra i before tantra was in theater in the performance and so mrs love also fits fitted my character and um, it was funky and pop and then I was managing artists, so I had a company called Mrs. Love Productions, and I was doing weddings and events, and it was suited for the job. Then I worked for many years for Madame Singara. I directed the show of the Theater of Dreams in the tent, and so Mrs. Love also was very cheesy and also really suited for that role. And then after that, when I came back to my original calling, which is transformation and awakening. And I started to teach tantrism full time and I would see clients privately. Then I started to feel that Mrs. Love wasn't appropriate anymore. And it felt was too shallow and a bit too catchy and maybe was also giving the wrong impression about what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, could have attracted many clients that maybe just wanted happy ending. Yeah. They didn't really want to wake up and do the work, you know? Mm -hmm. And also maybe the association with that type of Tantra, which is quite popular, that has got a lot to do with um, sexual practices only. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be confined with that. And, and, and my name was a little bit um, edgy. And so I dropped it for a few years. And now it seems that it's coming back, even in my work. And I stopped doing private session, actually, to casual clients. Mm. And now I'm landing a school called the Tantra School of Erotic Wisdom. Mm. And I'm mainly teaching and I'm doing long-term courses. So I'm only really in session and only see students that have previously studied with me. So we already established a relationship and they know what, they go in for it, you know, that I don't do casual one-off sessions. So there is um, a journey that we're exploring. And Mrs. Love is coming back more and more. My team is calling me Mrs. Love, my assistant. And they sometimes write the post for me and they started to sign me up as Mrs. Love. And, and I liked it again because now I'm on that place where I also want to lighten up the philosophy of Tantra, 
that also sometimes is taken so seriously, you know, from this scholar point of view. And I teach quite traditionally. So I really embrace the traditional teaching. And so Mrs. Love now it's coming back to relax the attitude of the scholar around the traditional text that they also can be quite enjoyable and, and joyful and delightful and not so intense and, um, you know, um, serious for the brain, which is not true. Sometimes people have this perception also. Mm. And also, I'm going to add another piece to the story of my name, because mm -hmm. that was a big aha moment that I had, you know, maybe 10 years after I married even, or let's say seven years, between seven to 10 years, I was driving to a friend of mine in Hot Bay, and uh, it suddenly occurred to me that my birth name, the name of my father, that of course I've rejected, because I was a feminist, and I went traveling the world, and I wanted my own name. So when I married, I took on the name I've chosen. And, um, but my birth name is Premuli, and is an Italian surname. I was born in Italy. And uh, when I started traveling, I left Italy in my early 20s, and I lived in London for a while, and I remember that no one can pronounce, could pronounce my surname properly. And instead of Premoli, they always called me Premholi. And I used to hate it. It's not appropriate. Premholi. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly that day when I was driving, I thought about Premholi, Premholi. And now in Sanskrit, which is the spiritual language of the Tantric text, mm -hmm. Prem, it's a word for love. Mm -hmm. And Holi, we know it's an English word for sacred. And so suddenly I realized that my birth name is nothing other than sacred love, Prem Holi. And then that's when I realized, you know, like, holy shit. Here I am with my little ego, yeah. thinking that I'm the doer, thinking that I'm taking control of my life and I'm making decisions, when in reality it was always there. Yeah was always there, but I wasn't looking in, I was looking out, I was searching, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I had a big cosmic laughter in that moment, thinking <laughs> about, you know, I thought my ego is so cute, mm -hmm. so I, you know, patting me like, you're so cute, you thought you were doing everything, <laughs> you were so proud. <laughs> And so I did the circular dance, basically. I came back to yeah. the beginner place. And mm. so that was like, yeah, a delightful moment. Well, that's beautiful. And um, <laughs> what's interesting to me, what I picked up in two of those, two of the things you said, to let go and to drop of all the stories. And then this one where you, you're saying to not, to, to, we're not in control. And um, yeah. I wanted to, to talk about that since these are some things that are coming up and these are some of the teachings of Tantra. Um, and I would like to know how, how do you define Tantra and what has Tantra done for you in your life? Uh, You know, my clever mind now, my mind that tries to be clever, want to associate 
the theme of control because you brought it into the picture. <laughs> um, so Tantra is, uh, it's, it's the essence. So the word Tantra, it's defined also as the essence of that. Uh, tan is a root word that is the same root for that. Um, uh, no, tra. I, I'm now I'm, I'm, I'm mixing it. So, but the root word for the essence of that, that which is uh, life, that which is me, that which is reality, that which is whatever I'm pointing towards or my mind points towards. And so it's a very big word because it's very difficult to define the essence of life. I mean, how can we define that in few words? It takes a lifetime to define your life, the essence of your life, perhaps. And, um, and so is the essence of reality. I mean, whose reality are we talking about? My reality, your reality, your perception of reality? Is there such a thing as an objective reality? Is it everything, our point of perception? So it's really difficult to bring solid definition. So Tantra for me, it's the journey into expansion, into the expansion of the self into the expansion of life, into the expansion of the mind. And, um, and I love it because it's by this virtue almost undescribable. And yet here we are using a lot of words to talk about it. Right. So I love this paradox. So Tantra, we can also say, is a philosophy of paradox. <laughs> it takes many, many words to explain what is inexplainable. <laughs> But the, the, the lineage that I am leaning onto, which is Kashmir Shaivaism, uses a very poetic language to describe the mystery, to speak about that which cannot be understood by words. And so we have to use the language of the arts, music, movement, experience, colors, poetry. And so the teaching are shared in a very um, dynamic, interactive, experiential way. It's like um, jumping into the heart of an artwork. And, um, and when I dwell into these spaces of reality, um, my body becomes ageless, groundless, and being out of control become the most delightful places to be. Um, there is spaces to flow, forgiveness, and, and even the truth becomes flexible and not so rigid. And so even my definition of Tantra changed constantly by the moment, by the situation. Uh, by my internal mood, and, and, and they are all valid. And I think if you speak with a lot of tantrics and you want to know one answer and one truth, you'll get out, you come out of it very confused. 
and uh, and perhaps many teachers are also in uh, um, contradiction with each other. And uh, I love that because that's the, also the purpose of Tantra, to bring confusion to your mind so that you cannot hold on to one piece of truth with too much solidity because then you will stop growing and expanding and discovering because like the universe itself that is in constant outward expansion every definition of reality does the same so reality itself the tantric texts tell us that reality itself is a reflection of the universe as we know it, which is in constant outward expansion. And this also science is telling us. And the self, my, the human being, it's also the micro expression of the microcosmos. So therefore me as a human being, I am also in constant outward expansion. So if I apply this to my life, it means that who I am, it's in constant expansion. And so that I can find relaxation in my becoming. In other words, that my definition of self, it's never finished. It cannot be finished. The moment that I make it finish, I stop expanding and I stop connecting with the essence of reality. So if I want to stay in the Tantra, I have to constantly be able to be supple and elastic and even the truth I tell myself to know that they will change that they will stretch that nothing is solid and so my identity and my personality so every time I find myself telling myself oh no this is who I am and this is what I like there is a little alarm bell that sounds in my brain that tell, oh, oh, are you sure? Because then you can become something other. Uh -huh. And then you're going to become rigid and stale and bored uh -huh. Uh -huh. and stiff. Uh -huh. And when we, the body is stiff, we become brittle, we break. No? Uh -huh. And when we are supple and elastic, the body lives longer the mind is able to creative endeavors, real creative mind. We can resolve problem in an expected way. We can seduce ourselves by the thought we come up with. It's like, wow, mm -hmm. didn't expect that. Or we are able to receive intelligence that stretch our mind from our peers, other people around us. But if the mind is not supple, we will miss them completely. And then the emotional body also become really flexible and supple. And so the definition of love becomes much greater in constant expansion. And like polyamory sometimes is often associated with modern tantric practitioner. Mm -hmm. And that is even more as a potentiality. It doesn't mean that every tantrika needs to have multiple relationships. But it means that the possibility that that can be my reality already amplify the concept of love that breaks out of the linearity mm. of the education the majority of us have grown up with. That when you're going to grow up, you'll find the one and you will marry 
Yeah. And if you're lucky, you have children. And then you are happy. And, and that feels like the end of a cycle. And, you know, I'm old enough to tell you that is the biggest lie <laughs> we ever told all our children. <laughs> Because you can marry, you can have your children, and then you still sit here thinking, and then what? And what next? And where from now? Yeah. And what more? It's not enough because we are growing and love wants more of itself, just like reality wants more of itself, like life on the planet. It's by design constantly perpetrating more of itself. Mm. And so what Tantra has done for me, it's allowed me to be the one I am right now that is quite excited about the future. And I'm excited to, to whatever it brings. Mm. And I, I want to say this statement, which is very big and bold, and maybe I'll, I'll have to comment a little bit, but I'm not afraid of many things in life. I'm not afraid to die. And on a, on a personal level, perhaps, yes, as a, as a woman and as a mother, I'll be very sad to die if I have to leave my, my daughter alone. But as a spiritual seeker, I know that death also is not the end. It's actually quite exciting that finally I can check it out and see the mystery, what's on the other side, and stop speculating about it. So that everything has the potential for beauty and uh, artistic expansion. That was a wonderful, wonderful explanation. The reason why I ask is because, like you said, there, there are a lot of misconceptions about Tantra, and I've just come onto the path and um, learning myself. And, and what's interesting is I'm learning through my own experience what Tantra is for me. And it everything that you says resonates and the biggest thing that's happening for me right now is I was I worked with I work with cacao um because I'm a cacao cucina and what originally when I when I started this journey I used I used cacao as a food and I didn't know that it was also a plant teacher it could open up my heart and so it did and I was so um unaware of what was actually happening that when my heart was starting to open, I was starting to move to, to where I wanted to be and learning different things. And eventually I got to, to where I am now, but it only took, it, she, she, Ish Kakao opened my heart up in that way, but it, but it takes another step, which is me saying yes to that openness, to that expansiveness. And um, it really only took, me now where I am now here to expand into this open heart that I have and ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's another thing uh, also when you're talking about that expansion and you're talking about the what what is coming through and the feelings and um, working with emotions these are a lot of things that um, have been coming for me and, and what has been coming into my life, the things that 
I look in the past that I was close to in the beginning and now it's coming right in my face and I'm open to it. And now I say, oh, this is, these are patterns that I've been having in my life that, that um, I wasn't aware of. And now that I'm open, I can see what, what is coming. Sometimes it's nice things. Sometimes it's, it's not so nice things of the past, of bad habits that I've picked up. And what the, the expansion state or what this place is doing for me is it's, it's giving me a chance to look at that side. Yeah, what, what stepping onto this path and saying yes to the openness and the expansion is, is showing me all of the areas where I, I blocked it when I, when I wasn't conscious. When um, and I'm seeing seeing patterns of my old life and things where I did things half-hearted or and they all being thrown in my face because I'm so open. But these are all the mm. things that I've been scared for a long time. These are the things that I, I I I push away when we close down our hearts. We don't want to feel the things that we want to feel, and eventually it's going to come up. And now as you open, as I'm opening up these things are starting to appear. But the wonderful thing that I've realized, and each time I go into those spaces, I, I get better, more and more confident, is that fear is still there, even though I'm wanting to go in. But the love mm. is also there, and I'm now connected mm. to that love. And that love is pushing me through those things that, that I pushed away in the beginning. and. This has been uh, a gift and uh, sort of what's coming for me for the Tantra path. And what, you, what you're saying about the expansiveness is, is resonating. And, it, yeah. uh, and for me, it took a lot of letting go, letting go of mm. these stories, uh, these things that we thought was told, told to us. And that's a process on its own. So I was wondering letting go how <laughs> it's not as it's very easy to say it's two words but it's i think it's the most difficult thing we can do yet we push ourselves so much to do and letting yeah. go feels, feels more i wanted to say yeah. a couple of things when i hear you talking mm. the first piece that you call the cacao devi uh, by the feminine, a she, and in the tantric tradition, um, we have Kamadeva, which is Eros, and also it's a red yogini, um, and she's got an arrow, and she, the arrow, it's pointing at your heart. You spoke about heart opening, and it's the arrow of truth, and um, with that, she'll pierce your heart and breaks it open. And so that it can really flow into the orgasmic experience of being alive. Because sometimes we have an idea what it means to live from the heart and to love. But actually it's an experience. It's not of the mind. It's of the heart. So it's an erotic experience. Mm-hmm. The other piece um, that came up for me when you say that you're still afraid, but the love is greater now. Yeah. When your heart is open... The fear never goes away. Mm. You know, when I earlier said I'm not afraid to die, it's not completely true because the human fear is there mm. because I'm associating stories. But underneath that fear, 
how do I move? So to know that the fear, it's a component that is intrinsic to our living experience. We cannot live without fear. If we wouldn't have fear, that is this light contraction, we wouldn't have a body. We would be such vibration that we wouldn't see each other even. Mm-hmm. You know, we would be disembodied. So fear almost is that piece that slows down the fast vibration of spirit. And so it becomes matter. Because the ultimate fear is the fear of being disconnected from the creator. And is the fear of being alone and dying really means to not be seen, not to be included. Mm. And, um, and so when the heart is open, the fear is there but we don't give it power. We can witness it, recognize it, and say, oh yeah, of course, you're part of the journey. But love is stronger. My desire to know, to become, to realize myself. It's like a bee into, attracted by the honey, you know? And even if you're gonna die, drown into the honey, you just can't resist it. Mm. And then we, we die of a different death. It's a rebirth when you go towards the heart. Mm-hmm. You die of all the things that are not you. And so this can be the hard practice of letting go. You know, that let, letting go can seem quite sweet. Oh, just let it go. And sometimes actually the practice of letting go, it's hardcore because it's a death. It's an ego death. Mm. Because when you were educated and you took the story from your parents or your teacher or your community, you took them on as truth and you leave them. When you, become, when you realize that they don't serve you anymore and you have to let go of a story that has been with you for 30 years, maybe since you were born, it's like letting go of an arm on a leg, a piece of your body. And if you cut a leg off, it's fucking sore. It hurts. Mm-hmm. It's and we don't want to let go of it also. Yeah. And so it's it's a really intense process sometimes. It's mm-hmm. like severing a limb. Mm-hmm. And um and so mourning is required also, you know. Mm-hmm. You can also cry that persona that you had to let go that was a touch of that story, because the biggest fear is often if I let go of that story. Who am I now? Mm. Because my whole identity perhaps was attached to that persona that acted in a certain way. And if I let it go, will my friends still like me? <laughs> mm. You know, I will remember my way home. I mean, who am I going to be? It's, um, mm. you know, we have to reinvent ourselves sometimes, which is just, the idea, in reality, we don't. In reality, once we go through that process, it's not so hard. Mm. But um, the biggest fear, it's fear. We're fearing the pain, the imaginary pain. So it's all the anticipation of letting go often. You know? And then when we are in the process, uh, when we come the other side, often it's like, oh, God, that was much easier than I thought. That was so simple. Why did I wait it so long? <laughs> Often time. Yes, yes. So, but another piece I wanted to mention about letting go 
that sometimes, especially in spiritual circles, we use this word too lightly, you know, exactly as if it was easy to let go. Oh, just let it go. And often what we do, we put it down and we go into avoidance. So there is that part of me that I want to let go of, let's say the one that maybe is needy, it's really needy. And I don't want to be needy anymore. And instead of bringing the neediness up to really look at it in the eyes, and maybe I'm ashamed to be needy. And so it means I have to feel my shame first in order to look at the needy one. Because if I'm ashamed, I'm avoiding looking at the needy one. You know, so we, I have judgment. So I have to look at my own judgment, process that, and then look at the needy one and understand where she comes from, why she, what is she needy of, what does she really want and desire. And it takes courage to sit in this fire because it's the one I wanted to get rid of, remember? So it's not nice. It's like some friend you don't want to see that really irritates you. Mm. And, in, and instead of deleting their name on your phone, you invite them for dinner one-on-one privately. Yeah. And, and even you go to their house or you invite them, sorry, to your house. So you can't even leave <laughs> when you're bored. You're not in a restaurant and say, okay, enough now, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. They're actually in your house. So you have to sit with them until it's finished. You know, it takes courage and, and really willingness to submit to the great heart. You know, this is what I call the path of devotion. This is a devotional path. It's not for everybody. It's, it's a real path of devotion. It requires a lot of emotional courage. And, and so when you really sit with this needy one, at the end of it, you absorb it. That's what happened. You don't put it away. You don't drop it. Because it's a part of you. So you need to reabsorb it and then decide that it might not going to act unconsciously anymore out of your being. And so you integrate it with maybe with a mature aspect of yourself. And so you don't let it go like this, but you let it go like this. You You look at it, you let it open and then it dissolves by itself. Then the letting go become, I felt it so fully and intensely that it doesn't hold me prisoner anymore. It doesn't have a hook. Because when we put people, when we put things apart in a way, they're dragging us from the side or what we now, it's very fashionable to call the shadow. We do shadow work. It's a very much used word. And in the shadow, all this part of ourselves become really, really heavy. And it's an illusion to think that I can just drop them. They keep drag because they belong to me. Mm. And in a sense, now I'm going to maybe cook your brain with a little bit of stretched philosophy. Mm -hmm. Because everything itself, everything is me. There is no way where I can drop it. Because whichever, whatever is going to fall, it's still me. (laughs) I can't throw anything away. There is no away, you know, like on the planet, you know, 50 years ago, we thought we could throw the plastic away. And now we realize there is no away. It's just over there, but it's not away. Mm. It's still 
my planet. It's still my home. And it's the same thing with the emotional garbage. Mm. There is no way. And so maybe the best process, that's why it's hard to let go because it means bringing it in, look at it, merge into it, love it, love it so much that it dissolves. Mm. Every emotion wants to be felt. Everything wants to be loved. Mm. Every event, emotional event. And if we are able to be so present and to love it, it dissolves. It's finished. Mm. Mm. That's wonderful. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and, and again, it's another paradox. Because we're letting go, but we're not actually letting go. We, and this is... Mm kind of what you were saying in the beginning is you you're working with transformation and and change you you live in, in tantra you explain that we're constantly living in in change and in, in making friends with change yeah mm. yeah absolutely mm. and then you see i also want to touch on the feelings and the emotions and this whole idea of, of this rigidness and uh, concrete mind, I think a lot of, of what we're going through in this time is, is, is undoing that or, or coming, coming back to feeling, coming back to our emotions. Uh, because even though I was on a, a spiritual path, I didn't actually realize that I myself couldn't feel. I thought I was feeling. I didn't know that I could feel in this way. And I didn't know that just in this way, it's, it's a whole lot more than I could ever imagine. And so if I never came here where I am opening up my heart and working through my emotions, then I don't think I would have ever known that I needed to feel and could know that I wasn't feeling. And so the question arises how how in this world in this day and age can we actually um understand what is what is this stuff that you talk about what is loving our our shadow and feeling the emotions and bringing it to the awareness because um in some people's realities we don't feel it's just it's just daily, I wake up, go to, go to work, come back home, and that's it. Yeah, and perhaps for many of them, that's enough. Mm. And it's okay for them. Mm. So like you said, only when you felt with such intensity, you realize you never actually felt mm. the intensity. You had the concept in your mind. You thought you were feeling, but you actually were thinking about feeling. And then come a time. I'm just picking up this from your story when your heart opened, perhaps. Mm. And then the feelings are real. They go straight through the body. Then they become sensation. And then they require in, you able to sustain intensity in the body. And then when you can hold the intensity of the difficult feeling, you can also hold the intensity of, of the beautiful feelings, mm. of the harmonious and joyful feeling. And so life becomes expansive. We, Cry, I cry for beauty very often. My heart keeps breaking for a flower that maybe opens in the dust or 
I see a plant pushing out of a rock, you know, and I could have seen that 20 years ago and bypass it. Mm-hmm. And now it's, I even skip a beat in my heart and, and I feel the, the immense beauty of that life pushing through apparent difficulties to flower or the purpose of life that is to blossom. And so I think there is a time for everything. If my heart wasn't open, I wouldn't be crying for that event and I would carry on doing the thing that I used to do. I mean, I was talking with a friend of mine and I remember that in my 30, I felt very accomplished by going out for lunch, many lunch. My whole social life was around lunches in restaurants, eating seafood, drinking white wine, wearing high heels, having nail with different colors every week and um, talking about work. I mean, I was working in the entertainment industry, so it was was already an artistic realm. Mm -hmm. But when I think now how much energy and time I've spent in going into restaurant and harming my body, being drunk all the time, and I thought it was fabulous. And I thought that that was a sign of accomplishment. Mm. It means I had a great job. I earned enough money that would allow me to have a good life. That meant the good life. To, see, to be seen, to see who's out there. It's a beautiful sunny day and I have to do something with it. Mm. And now my concept of a good life is very, very different. I do much less action. Mm-hmm. And there is much more inner movement in my body. And sometimes I like to have a glass of wine for sure, but not as often as I used to by all means. And sitting in restaurant also is a bit tight for me because I want to relax more and I prefer to be in nature or in my friend garden. And mm-hmm. I prefer much more one-on-one connection than groups because I feel we can go so much deeper into the human experience. And this feels amazing. So when I look back in my 30, I also giggle and thinking how bizarre. It feels like another lifetime, another persona. Mm-hmm. And yet it was me. And then it reminds me how expensive is life. Because mm-hmm. look, I'm still in the same lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I look at phases of my life like it was another woman even, not really me. Mm. And so what I want to say is that there is an intrinsic excitement in life to explore itself. And so never to worry about the other. You know, stay focused on yourself and what makes you thrive. And who cares if some people are only happy to go to work? If they're happy, good for them. If their happiness is only a superficial happiness, and I can see through them, well, it's for me to feel my feeling when I see through them, but to wait for them when they're ready to change. Because if someone would have come to me 20 years ago and told me to get rid of my shoes, to take off my makeup, to get rid of my push-up bra, I remember also that I used to wear bras so much, now I can't even conceive it. Now, the first teaching that I share to every woman is to take off the bra. It prevents 
20% of breathing capacity. <sighs> and when we can't breathe fully, we can't feel fully. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. The heart can't breathe. Yeah. And, and maybe I couldn't receive life in its fullness. In that time in my life, I needed to kind of self-censor the intensity of life. And so that I was able to grow through things that were happening to me in the moment. Mm -hmm. So from the tantric perspective, and tantra, look, is just a map. And I'm sure you've got your own shamanic map with the Sangoma tradition. Mm -hmm. I feel all the tradition are just map mm -hmm. with the flavor. Mm -hmm. And because we are all artists, we choose the flavor that we respond better to, where our being have an arousal response. Arousal means an excitement. Oh, I really like that. Ah, I want to know more. I want to get closer to. Mm. So for me, it's Tantra, the iconography, the tradition, the language, the symbolism. Uh, they are my love affair. It's, I don't even choose sometimes. It doesn't feel I've chosen it. It's always been there. It's, I can't imagine anything other than the tantric tradition being in my life has always been there when I look back. Mm. I always had a deep attraction. And so this tradition is just a map. And in this map, let's say, is written, um, and I forgot what I wanted to say. <laughs> it's because I, I diverge so much. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, and I remember it says that life is always perfect. Life is a, a reflection of Shiva, of the creator of reality. Shiva creates a reality that reflects itself. I say it because Shiva can also be very feminine. It is no gender attached to the creator. So it says that the creator creates a reality and it hid itself into every aspect of reality. So reality is a mirror of the creator, of itself. Yeah. And if we believe that the creator is pure perfection, absolute perfection with a capital A, then reality must also be intrinsic with perfection. If I don't see, if I can't see the perfection in life, it's because I am confused. There isn't a problem with life itself. Yeah. It means that I am looking with the wrong pair of glasses or my glasses are a little bit fogged. Mm. And my glasses is the filter that is created through, what, through which I'm looking at reality. And the filter can be my social upbringing, my culture, my personal history and narrative, the history of trauma. Maybe I had personal trauma that convinced me about certain aspects of reality. And so I'm looking at reality with those glasses. And then come one day that by grace or by my desire or by practices that I take on or by special food that I drink or eat or by a beloved that kiss me and suddenly awakens me or which is all grace, is a moment of grace. I start cleaning the dirty on my glasses, and then I start to see reality as really is, not as I am. Yeah. 
No, because we see from where we are. If you are happy, everything is amazing. Everybody is wonderful. If you are depressed, life sucks. Mm -hmm. If you are happy, when I'm happy, my body is enormous. When I'm sad, my body is small and contracted. Mm. So you see, reality keeps changing according to my state of being. Mm. But according to the scripture, the truth, God, is the only unchanging. Mm. expression of reality because it's always true mm. and so when i align more and more with the divine the, the glasses start opening and more and more life will reveal itself by its own perfection mm -hmm. and i'm coming back where i begin now just bear with me <laughs> i'm italian you know i like to go in big <laughs> uh, journey panoramic journey no, so then the ones that are unawakened, the sleeping people, the unconscious people, if they're there, is because life desires them to. And so there is a place for them to. And I might not understand it, but I can accept it. That according, if I accept tantrism, I accept, because so far navigating life through this map revealed a lot of. Um, epiphany moments for me and so it's not because i have to believe blindly but because i trust this teaching and i, I and i learned to trust that even what appeared to be imperfect for me right now today yeah. maybe in five years time or in 10 years time looks absolutely perfect yeah. i changed my point of perception mm -hmm. i created some distance from the event mm -hmm. there is more to me of me and then that moment change and, and it looks, oh, now I can see the perfection. So, you know, for me with Tantra, I keep, we keep saying, look at yourself. Don't, don't try to resolve other people's life. Yeah. You know, take care of your own awakening mm -hmm. and, and focus there and bring your energy there in what you thrive with what brings you excitement in your life. Focus there. Culture your excitement. Because when you do that, you vibrate with life. And whatever is going to happen as a consequence of that, it will be inflow. It's with the Tao. Yeah. Yeah. And don't spend time trying to fix other people's life. That's their job. Mm. You know, and if they come to ask you for help, then it concerns you. Then they come to your door, they're sitting in your lounge, and they ask you to help them. Then it's your life. It's not that it's coming, it's presenting itself in your reality. Mm. So then it concerns you, of course. And then I'm not saying by saying this that you should give up any interest for anybody else's that is not just you. But to stay really focused with what's come towards you, what impacts your life. Because when we do that, there is already enough. Mm. There is plenty. Mm. And oftentimes, we are so busy looking far away to fix the world, to save the world. And we forget about our surrounding. We want to save the people in another country. And we're not taking care of the people that are so close to us, our friend that are waiting for our attention, our children, our pets, our neighbors, that are here right now, 
in front of us. So in Tantrism, it's like, this is your reality. Pay attention to what's present with you mm. and, and bring fullness to that. Mm. And everything else will roll from it. Mm. Okay. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even sure I've answered your question. But <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Whether you answered it or not, you brought uh, a lot of beauty. <laughs> And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's what matters. And um, and and what's really want to what's coming for me now is um, because to me that's that's what remembering who you truly are means to me. And so, mm. so I want to ask you the question: What is remembering who you are, or remembering who we are? What does that mean to you? Mm. to return to the body remembering mm -hmm. to come back into the membrane of this organism that I'm occupying and find the answer to my question hidden in plain sight in the membrane of my being and so not to intellectualize my sense of self you know, even the idea of God and divinity, not to make it into an idea, but into an experience of my life. You know, to find divinity in my domesticity, in my ordinarity, in my humanity, uh, in my shortcomings, in my limited self in the membrane, remembering. Mm. So that is always here, not mm. to go too far. Mm. And, and then let this tell me, who am I? You know, and when I really go deep into the cellular construction of my body, I find emptiness inside every cell of my being. There is space, 99% space. So maybe I am nothing but a nothing that is filled with consciousness, you know, emptiness that is quivering consciousness. And what does that mean is to be discovered in the experience of being that. So I do practices that brings me back into that space. Those are the main practice I occupy my time with where I remember my emptiness. And out of emptiness, in every moment, a new me is created, is reborn, you know, to constantly coming back to absolute emptiness, recreating itself. That's it, that's it. Because, you know, I don't know who I am. I don't want to say it. You yeah. know, I don't want to say the word now you're asking me, but I notice I don't, because the moment I say it, I freeze it. I freeze the truth and I limit myself. If I tell you who I am in the moment I say it, it means I'm not everything else possible. And actually I want to be everything. Mm -hmm. That's my desire. <laughs> and so I must be very careful not to say too much what I am. Mm -hmm. And then perhaps I can be 
even what I don't even know yet I can be. Because mm. 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 I, I let it be possible. And it's beyond my imagination, you know, to become the unimaginable. Whatever I can say is because my mind can think it. Mm-hmm. And words come from a thinking process. But what I can't imagine, I can't have the words for it. And I, I like to rest in that place, mm. the unimaginable. Mm-hmm. I want to be that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, um, would you say would you say there needs to be a balance between that that place where you say and having structure or an idea because some people may say that um but but why if you're open to all possibilities then how do you know if you uh where you want to go or how do you know, do you have a plan or these uh, sort of the mindset of, of what we are living in today, how, how can we rest in that and be okay? Yeah. For me, I call it desire more than a plan yeah. and goal. You know, this is very much, you know, we're coming from a very intense patriarchal way of thinking for many millennials, for everybody. It's not a man thing. It's everybody. And the patriarchal way has goal, has result. Mm. Now, in the spiritual practice, you will succeed when, when you don't have result, when you don't aiming at anything from the tantric perspective, again. Even to aiming, when you aim to enlightenment and you practice because you want to become enlightened, you perhaps miss out on life because you're waiting for enlightenment. And all these moments are irrelevant. Now, if the creator has given us this present moment, is because it's meaningful too. And so in this philosophy, we say, enjoy yourself in every moment. Really enjoy yourself. Have fun with your life. Have fun with every moment. Have an erotic experience. Every time you breathe, every time you use your body to move in space, can it be absolutely exquisite? Instead of a movement, that was created for a goal. It's like I can drive from A to B and mm. thinking, what am I going to do when I arrive at destination? Or mm. I can enjoy the journey mm. and I see where I drive and who I pick up. Someone is maybe hitchhiking and I'm having a beautiful human exchange with someone in the car or I'm listening to something on the radio. And so the journey, it's where it's at. And then I also arrive mm. at plane B. So there is a destination, which I call a desire. Mm-hmm. There is an intention. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's going to get fulfilled. Because mm-hmm. goal is really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Goal, it means it needs to be fulfilled. It's like in sex, the goal of orgasm, it's very limiting for the sexual experience. Mm-hmm. Because when we chase in that peak orgasm, we're missing everything else. And sometimes when the peak orgasm doesn't come, a lot of other intimacy can surface. Maybe conversation happen between two lovers. Very deeply, intimately profound, freeing mm. conversation. And boy, was that much more worth it than a, another peak orgasm. Mm. But if the goal is set, you won't stop until you get it. Yes. Mm. So you can have an intention that I'm going to have sex 
with the intention of experience pleasure, and maybe I end up crying all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, oops, that intention wasn't immediately fulfilled, but maybe after the tears, there comes the pleasure, mm -hmm. maybe even a better orgasm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we have to we set an intention, we follow a desire, and then we let it go. And so I like to call it desire because desire is more of the feminine experience. It's an arising in the body. And so meaning I want to become an actress because I love theater. Mm. So I love theater and I'm going to make my action move me towards that because when I'm in doing acting, I feel so alive. It fulfills me. It's a very different goal. Or even, I want to do this job because I want to earn a lot of money, and the idea to have a lot of money makes me so excited in this moment right now. Mm. And so right now, there is a desire, there is an arising in my body mm. that moves me towards that. Mm. And so I follow. And I have to mm. make some disciplinary choices, perhaps, to follow that which maybe means, yeah. I don't know, I'm now making up story, a director called me for an audition in another country, and maybe I have to change country where I live. Mm. So there are choices that are also hard to make, mm. but always measure with the desire. If leaving my parents breaks my heart, I always be a sad art actress, <laughs> you know, so there is this idea, and that's the goal. If I set the goal that I have to be an amazing actress by 30 mm. and I don't see what life is presenting to me, mm -hmm. I would leave my country, abandon boyfriend to reach my goal. Mm. And then I might be rich and I might be an actress, but terribly sad. Mm. Maybe I'll partake only, only sad movie. And maybe I earn a lot of money, but I kill myself after 20 years mm. of career. And I know many artists that ended up like this. Many artists, I wanted to be them even. Mm. And then at 40, they mm. all killed themselves. It was unbearable. Yeah. It's a goal. Mm. The desire, I would love, this is my desire, and I'm making choices. So maybe I have to change country. But if my father is sick, or my boyfriend, and, and they ask me, please, would you stay for love? Or in my heart, I feel that I don't want to abandon my beloved now. Mm. And my love for my father or my beloved or the situation is actually bigger than the desire to become an actor. I can change. I can shift because the present moment requires me to do so. Mm. And this for me means really be present with life mm. Mm. and trusting that life will always take me somewhere because it's a journey. Mm. So if my goals are not fixed, you know, I just use them to have a desire that expands me. And then maybe I stay here and then maybe my boyfriend die anyway. Who knows? I'm making like yes. dramatic Italian story here now. I love it. And, <laughs> yeah. But maybe because of that, I was able to break my heart open. And maybe I still become an actress. Oh. And now my ability to feel it's... 10 times more. And maybe there will be a great director that invites me for a job in my country. 
and I still will follow my desire which with an apparent detour, maybe it's a 10 years detour, who knows? But those 10 years gave me life experience that enriched me so much, that gave me value in the human experience. We are people, we live for each other, we thrive from each other. You know, if you think about it, everything in your life, it's dependent on social interaction. Your parents are peoples, what they educate you. Um, the people you are inspired by, the human being, either they are musician, artist, poet, teacher. They are human being bringing an offering in your direction. Your neighbor is a human being. Your enemy, it's a human being. Whoever triggers you, it's another human being. So what we call life is a constant collection of emotional responses towards other human beings. Mm. Even this goal that we have to mm. be an actress, to come back to the story, mm. is dependent on other human beings. I need a cast to act with. Yeah. I can't be an actress alone. Mm. I need someone to watch me acting. Mm. Just to, you know, the interconnectedness of all of us are human beings is radically essential mm. for everything we do in our life. Mm. And so to bring that to the forefront with consciousness and make that the most important things. Mm. And then create our desire out of our human experience. Mm. Instead of wanting to contract our human experience towards a goal that is in an intellectualized story in our mind that is non-considerate of the human implication mm. oftentimes. Mm. You know? Yeah. So that is the difference on set a desire and find a longing. Beautiful. That's what moves us in life. Mm. But then be real to what's happening. What comes towards you? Mm. What are you dreaming at night? Mm. You know, what brings you joy and expansion? Mm. And, um, and sometimes, like you say, it's not a denial of responsibility. Because some people say, oh, then as soon as life is, becomes difficult, you're going to drop your goal. Uh-uh. If you really love it, you don't. It's mm. like you said early. When you love, you're still afraid. Mm. But you still choose to love. Mm. And it's the same with every experience in life. Mm. It's not that when it gets hard, we're going to drop it. If you really love it, you're not going to drop it. Yeah. But it's different if something arises that there is a sense of that this thing is not right anymore. That I'm pushing against a closed door. Mm. And then is, is my ego pushing. It's not my heart. Mm. Mm. You know? To recognize that, okay, the door is closed now. Maybe it was open before, but now it's not. Mm. To, to accept that with the pain that maybe bring and go and look for another open doors. And maybe I'll go back to the same place, but now I'm coming from the back door. Mm. Who knows? Yeah. That is a wonderful eye. <laughs> it, <laughs> when you're telling it like that, then it, 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 what it brings for me is 
uh, lightness. L the stress of a goal get is taken away, and the stress of because the mind can get so crazy about the ideas and oh, we must do it like this and like this and like this. And, you, and as you're going through the steps, it, it also this also works on your brain chemicals and you know the dopamine that you get when you get the next step. If we rely too much on that, we rely our whole existence on these steps that we're making, and inevitably we do, we do fail and. Yeah, so I really enjoy this this way of thinking about it. Yeah, and that's when I was speaking earlier about becoming supple. Yes. Emotionally supple. Yes. Creatively supple. Find solution. Mm. You know, if there is love and desire, there will be creative solution. Mm. But if we are now disconnected from our human experience, we deny the love, mm. then we become so dry and we lose creativity. And that's when life becomes so monotone mm. and so flat. Mm. And you see this from the people when you ask them, how are you doing? And they said, oh, surviving. Mm. It's like, no, you're supposed to be living. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah. living requires your choice to be alive every moment. Yes. And so you should watch if you're making choices out of survival or out of choosing life. Mm. They're different. Mm. Hey. hey. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Valentina. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for mm -hmm. your wisdom and your beauty that you brought. I want to ask you to share a little bit about what you do, how people can get hold of you. You've also got a podcast yourself. If you could just share a little bit so that if anyone that's interested would like to know more, bring more um, of themselves to you, how can they do that? Yes, I've got a podcast called Erotic Wisdom with Mrs. Love. And if you listen to episode number one, <laughs> I'll tell you the story of Mrs. Love and the meaning of erotic wisdom, actually. And... Um, and you can find that on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, on all the major platforms. And I've got a school also called the Tantra School of Erotic Wisdom. And you can find that on Facebook. It's a baby. It's actually still in embryonic phase. Mm -hmm. And so we are busy landing the website for it. We, we hoping to launch it in, by the end of this year, in December. Mm -hmm. When I, when I turned 50, instead of having a birthday party, I decided to have a birthing party <laughs> and birth something new. I don't want my old self to turn 50. 50 years of being me, it's really boring. I want to birth something new, you know. And so you can, you can find on Facebook the school and I do online teaching, in-person retreats. I've got a couple of retreats coming up now in South Africa mm. and I've got online events happening. And also you can find my personal website that at the moment hold all my teaching platform as well. It's called thelaboratoryoflove.com. But also for easy memory, mrslove.org. Mm. Org, standing for orgasmic, if you make it easy for the mind. <laughs> mm. 
missislove.orgasm, which is our natural state of being. It's how we could be living from, mm. you know, when we constantly choose to move towards desire, you know, that expansiveness we were speaking about. Mm -hmm. And it's time to close off. We give thanks to Valentina for being here during this time to share this wonderful message. Uh, Wi-Fi is just connect disconnected, so it's time to, to switch off and say goodbye. But thank you.